And sometimes only experience a direct confrontation with the power of God will change your mind. Five seven three five. The twelve questions asked of Christians. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. Amen. And folks, I just hope you could feel the divine power that's flowing today. Just when I pointed at you, yeah, you right there, you. There's a power flowing today. I just feel it in every fiber of my being. Today we begin a series called. The 12 questions asked of Christians. Now these are some 12 fundamental questions that are often asked about Christians and sometimes we don't know the answer to them to even answer other people and many times we don't know the answer even ourselves we wrestle with some of these questions. Now let me tell you I'm pretty smart. I really, really am. When I left seventh grade, they called me into the office and they said, Nathaniel, you have the highest IQ in this entire school. And there's over 500 students in that school. So you got the highest IQ in the whole school. I'm pretty smart. But even though I am pretty smart, I am absolutely dumb when it comes to the brilliance of God. I'm like a lump of clay. When it comes to the intelligence of God, I'm like a pile of dung. Now you have to go look up what dung means, but I'm like a pile of dung when it comes to the omniscient wisdom of the Almighty God. The potter will always be able to understand a whole lot more than the pot. And we're just pots, vessels of earthen clay that we have no concept of divine wisdom. So the 12 questions most asked of Christians, question number one, that we're often asked first by so much of the world is the simple but yet profound question, how do you know there's a God? Now this may appear to be a rather silly question to Christians. Of course there's a God. And they'll ask, well, how do you know there's a God? In a world where It's moving more and more towards logical, measurable, visible, tangible things. That is not quite an easy question to answer. How do you know there's a God? It's not an easy question because when I left college, and I have to be honest with you, when I left college, I was a fundamental atheist. I said, Pat, what? I'm true with you. I tell you stuff. I was a fundamental atheist. What do you mean? Well, I believe that there was no external supernatural, that God dwelled within, that it was all the inner human spirit and how we behave and all this. See, because college will shake your faith. As you go through classes and as you study comparative religions and philosophy and all of this, it will shake your faith because it takes you through some things that 
If your faith is not truly solidly grounded, it will shake it loose. And oftentimes, even when people come out of seminary, their faith has been shaken seriously. And what they preach and what they believe are totally different. So when I left college, graduating with this degree in chemistry, I was the first African-American to receive a degree in chemistry from the school I attended. So I was educated in all of the higher arts of science, and all of the higher arts of science taught you there was no external God. So you deal with and you look at all of these professors who you revere and who you hold in high esteem, who are learned, who are much smarter than you, who are much more degreed than you, who have all this experience and they teach you that anything that is not measurable and quantifiable does not exist. So the question of how do you know there's a God, it's not a simple question. So let me just start with point number one of three points of when people ask you, how do you know there's a God? First of all, something created the universe just like the Bible says. Now the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But if you tell somebody, wait a minute, how do you know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? That's using what's called in logic train, circular logic. You said the Bible says that God created there. Well, where did the Bible come from? You said God gave that. It's a circular logic. So how do you say that in the beginning God created the heaven and earth if you're using the reference, the same thing that the reference is talking about? That won't work by anybody in logic. So you got to move beyond that if you're talking to someone who does not believe in the reference point. See, science is like that. We just had a recent inspection by the FDA when they came to our manufacturing plant. And they really said they were amazed at our quality, but they had about two little things that we need to correct. And one of them, they says, when you calibrate your scales, you don't calibrate the calibrating weights. And I said, what do you mean? Every time before we weigh any product, before we batch anything, we calibrate the scale. So we have a standard set of weights that we use to calibrate the scale. They said, you don't calibrate your calibrating weights with anything. I said, but they come from the factory. Clearly said one kilogram or two kilograms. Why you got to count? said, because something could happen. Over time, they could get chipped off. They could get rusted, add more weight. Take. You got to calibrate your calibrating weights. So we had to add that procedure in. You see, the Bible and God's word calibrates itself. It wouldn't pass FDA inspection. Because they say you're calibrating the thing to be calibrated with the calibrator. So that won't work. So it uses circular logic, so you have to step outside when you're talking with someone who does not believe in the calibrator. And you have to go to something else. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And for the longest, there's been this debate about how in the world could God create all of this in seven days? That's another one of the questions for one of the twelve, but that's another whole thing. But just to get to the point of how do you know there's a God, something created the universe just like the Bible says. When you leave service, when you stop listening, I want you to do an internet search on a fellow named Charles Bennett with John Hopkins University. 
Charles Bennett is one of the most decorated scientists. Last year, he got the equivalent of the Nobel Peace Prize. He's gotten so much money, so many awards, so many accolades. He's one of the most respected and revered scientists on the face of the planet. In March of 06, Bennett's Wilkinson Microwave Astrophysic Probe Team announced that the universe bears signs that it expanded from quantum fluctuations to astronomical size within its first trillionth of a second of existence. Now, let me explain to you what that means when it talks about it expanded from quantum fluctuations to astronomical size. Let me tell you what that means from a physics point of view. Quantum refers to basically quantum mechanics or something that is on a quantum level. Quantum level is sub-microscopic. It's actually subatomic. It's smaller than an atom. It deals with quantum states of matter that's smaller than the atom. So it says it's expanded from quantum fluctuations, meaning that what they theorized in this whole astrophysics team from John Hopkins that shook the scientific world. They said that it started from something that was quantum in size. Quantum means you can't even see it. See, quantum you can't even see with a microscope. You can see with an electron microscope down pretty small, but quantum, you can't see that with a microscope. It expanded from something that was quantum in nature, meaning so small, no man could see it, to astronomical size. Now let me explain what they mean by astronomical. When you go and look at the research, it meant that it went hundreds of millions of light years in a trillionth of a second. Something so small, we can't see, we can barely measure, we can only theorize to something so big that we can't even grasp its distances. Hundreds of millions of light years. A light year is the amount of distance that light travels in the space of a year. If you had a flashlight, turned it on for one second, that light beam in one second would travel around the earth seven and a half times. Seven and a half times. A trillionth of a second, light would travel in a trillionth of a second about as far as the thickness of a sheet of paper. Goes around the earth seven and a half times in one second. So in one trillionth of a second, it travels about actually less than the thickness of a sheet of paper. And let me explain kind of how big this is and small this is. What this big scientific team from John Hopkins said was, from nothing that they can't see, can't measure, so small, no microscope will see it, to a distance so big that we can't even imagine hundreds of light years across and it did it in a time frame so small that light will only travel less than the distance of the thickness of a sheet of paper. That's what he said. In other words, he said the whole thing was created and suddenly appeared in an instant. Now, we've gone from not believing seven days to now science is saying in the trillionth of a second. So quick, so fast. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. So sometimes, see, when you're dealing with folk like me in that stage, you got to go to some stuff they understand. So you go to stuff they can understand. 
So this is not the church saying this. This is the astrophysics team at John Hopkins University saying this. And they're saying all of this stuff suddenly, out of virtually nowhere, appeared over everything. That's what they're saying. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, I would snap my finger to show how fast it was, but the only problem is a trillionth of a second, it would be about a trillion trillionth of a second in the snap of my finger. I can't even illustrate to you how quick that was. So here we are, and science is now saying that the whole universe appeared in an instant. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You just ask him to explain that trillionth of a second, and you ask him to explain how something travels hundreds of millions of light years in a trillionth of a second. See, because all of our modern theory, no matter can move faster than the speed of light. It's Einstein's E equal MC squared theory basically says the faster an object moves, the heavier its mass, and the closer that you get to the speed of light, mass approaches infinity. And then all this stuff is dealing with physics, but the bottom line here says you cannot accelerate anything physical to the speed of light without it turning into pure energy. And here we are talking about all this stuff just appeared instantly, hundreds of millions of light years across, instantly in less than the blink of an eye, Science has absolutely no explanation for it, but what they can say, all of the stuff just showed up. It just showed up, not evolved, just showed up. So this is the first thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And see, that's why God put the most important verse in the Bible first. I don't care about all them other verses. That's the most important verse. Because if you don't believe that verse, but if you believe that verse, if he created everything, what is it he cannot do? See, if God created everything, what is it he cannot do? That's why it is the most important verse in the Bible for us to understand and to digest. If God created everything, what is it he cannot do? Point number one, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and science says everything just appeared instantly everywhere. Number two, sometimes it takes personal experience with God. Science did not change my opinion. What changed my opinion is God started dealing directly with me. I remember the first time I heard God speak. I was 33 years old. I was involved with helping a close friend of mine get a condominium because he'd lived in apartments all of his life. He'd never owned anything. I said, look, I found some condos that are going up for auction. I want to go with you, help you buy one of these condos so you can get out of this apartment and get yourself into owning something. And as I was in the process of that, I heard God speak. You shall own seven of those units. I said, why would that? Why in the world would that? I had no idea what it was, but I just heard it just as clear, and it didn't really phase me that much until the auction came. And I won't go into the details of what all happened, but I end up owning seven of those units. Still own them today. And 
Later on, I said, my goodness, I heard that, and sure enough, that thing came to pass. I began to hear other things like that, and they all came to pass. And finally, I just had to ask, because I used to call it the voice. See, I'm still that logical scientist, so if I'm hearing something, I don't know what it is, I don't know who it is. All I know is that it is, so I call it the voice. And I said, the voice told me this. I didn't know who it was. And that's the way a scientist thinks. And I still am a scientist. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know what it was. All I knew was that it was. So I called it the voice. And one day, I just asked. Because I'd gotten to the point where I could ask and I would receive an answer. And I just asked the question, who are you? That's a simple, logical question to ask. Who are you? Because I didn't know. Never will forget the answer. The answer was this. And some folk will understand this answer. He said, you shall call us God. And the question was, us? But if you know your Bible, if you know your Bible, if you know your Bible, Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us Make man in our image after our likeness. Now, he didn't explain who the us was. Modern theology said us is the trinity. Perhaps that is so. Perhaps that is not. Because I've learned what God doesn't tell you, you can't assume. All I know is what he told me. So I begin to call the voice God And sometimes only experience a direct confrontation with the power of God will change your mind. Logic just won't do it. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. I wasn't one of them folks. I need to see something. I had to experience stuff. I had to go through. I had to see God pull me out of situations. I had to see a hedge around me. No one could touch me. And when this happened, I said, wait a minute, Lord. This thing ain't normal. At the time before I met my lump of sugar, I dated all these women. None of them could hurt me. They tried every trick in the book, and I saw hedge after hedge. I said, wait a minute, Lord, I ain't that good. You got to recognize this. See, I was smart enough to know when I'm dumb. I said, I ain't that good. Something is protecting me, and I knew it. I knew it, so sometimes you will go through experiences and the experience itself whether you hear a voice from God or you see miracles that happen in your life something will tell you this is not normal this defies the laws of statistics something is watching out for me sometimes it takes personal experience and number three people will say well why doesn't God just reveal himself to the whole world why doesn't he just come down openly so that there is no dispute? Why doesn't he just show folk his power direct? He tried that. Do you remember when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and God parted the Red Sea, had them walk through on dry land? They see all of the water all around them as they walk through on dry land. They see the sea close up on Pharaoh's army. Then he led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Then he rained down manna to feed them every single day. And with all of these overt, obvious manifestations of the supernatural, Moses went away on the mountain. He was gone 42 days. 
One day to the mountain, 40 days up the mountain, and then one day back. He was gone 42 days. In the 42 days, after the folk had seen all of these miracles from God, direct, had seen all of these miracles in them 42 days, them folk went haywire. And you'd have to say to yourself, look, if I walked through, I would know without question there's a God. If I saw the sea party, if I saw manna raining down, if I see the pillar of fire and the cloud is guiding me, if I saw all of this, look like it's just no way I could go and make idols sooner the leader out of my sight. How in the world you said could folk do? Them the same folk. Is it us folk? See, I have no question in my mind that there is a God. And still I struggle with doing what he tells me to do. I have no doubt that God watches over and orchestrates every single detail. I have no doubt he has my best interest. I have no doubt. And still I have a struggle. I still have a battle with this flesh of doing what God tells me to do. So I understand the children of Israel. Those who walk with Jesus. And some of you are saying, if I could just see Jesus. They walked with Jesus, his 70 disciples. The minute Jesus said a few hard sins, they had seen Jesus raise the dead. They had seen him feed 5,000 with loafers and bread. They had seen all this stuff. The minute he got a little tough on them, out of the 70, 58 of them left. And only the 12 were left. So just because God overtly shows himself to mankind, history has shown still they'll walk away and yet how do you know there is a God because in the beginning God created the heaven and earth in an instant some of you and most of you hearing my voice you've had personal experience that you know have defied all kind of statistics and even when he speaks to us we still struggle with doing what he tells us to do and even if God were come down and he were to present himself and said, my child, of all of my mysteries of the universe, I'll let you ask one question of me, one thing of me. And you know, as I thought about this, just the question that you'd ask God reflects sometimes our carnality. And if God gave us a day just to formulate a question, unfortunately, most of us would come back with the question, Lord, what's the Powerball going to be next week? Now that may sound funny. And to be honest about it, people, I'm not sure I wouldn't ask him that question myself. I'm just being straight with you. Most of us will come back with the question, what the Powerball going to be next week? Because I said, Lord, if I can get me a couple hundred million out of that Powerball, I can go find your glory. I can go find your glory. So we still have not risen above base carnality in most of the spiritual things, the things we struggle with between spirit and flesh. And yet, how do you know there is a God? Psalms 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. If you can't see the glory of God all around you, you're a fool. Hebrew 11.6 says this, and I close with this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God says to please God, you only need to do two things. Number one, believe that he is. That's what this first question is about. How do you know there is a God? 
First thing you have to do to please God, simply believe that he is, because some folk don't believe that God even exists. First thing you have to do is believe that he is. Second thing, you have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I absolutely believe that to my core. The closer I move to God, and the more I do what he tells me to do, the more blessed my life becomes. It just does. So I believe it to my core. So God says, you got to believe them two things, that I am, and if you diligently seek me, I'll reward you. Two things. If you diligently seek me, I will reward you. How do you know that there's a God? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in an instant. God has moved in my life. And thankfully, he has given grace and favor. Even in the midst of my deviations, my failures, my weaknesses, my disobedience, still he's a loving father unto me. And Father, I thank you for your grace unto this flawed vessel. For those of you who are watching, God is real. And if you seek him, he will reward you. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. If you'd like to donate to this ministry simply go to iwanttogive.com if this ministry has been a blessing unto you thank you for joining us today at brothers of the word because brother you need the word amen you are listening to brothers of the word.com this was part one of the series titled the 12 questions asked of christians by nathaniel bronner This message is number 5735, that's 5735, to listen to over a thousand free messages, or to send this message number 5735, to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of